Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. I always, uh, not that I do this very often, thank goodness, but I always feel a great sense of responsibility standing at the front talking to um, the church. Uh, And it's not made any easier because um, my wife seems to be so good at it. So, um, (laughs) I'll do my best. Um, We don't have that up there. Sorry, it's my work birthday cake. (laughs) We've been around 30 years. And for some reason, yeah, it's good news. I don't think there's actually a cake like that for some reason. yeah, it's cake afterwards, looks just like that. Sorry, I'd set this up, but it's obviously gone back to... Yeah, that's right, good. Right, we're there. Excellent, good, so, Board of Trustees. I thought when I put that title up that some of you may be thinking that already. (laughs) In fact, I'm sure I've noticed some of you. (laughs) And then then some of you may actually be feeling like that. (laughs) But I can assure you that I will do my best to go as quickly as I can through what might appear a little dull subject. Okay? Tried it last night and it works really well. So, all I plan on doing is chatting you through a little bit about the roles of trustees, okay? Um, Tell you a little bit about some of the changes that we've made and are making. And then, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which way you look at it, um, I felt God put something on my heart to share with you, so I'm going to do that as well. You might not say that when I... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, what's our role, okay? I actually think it's a very important role. Uh, We're here to make sure the organisation of the church as as an entity kind of is a sound organisation, both financially and legally. Uh, We actually believe as trustees that we should be an example there, we should be a shining light, we should be quality. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we should be shabby. Okay? Should be the opposite. And too often Christian organisations aren't that. So we're striving for excellence. Uh, We are an employer as well, um, more so than ever before. We have three employees, but we also have lots and lots of volunteers. And in a charity, they are deemed employees as well. So there's quite a responsibility there. We have, I believe, and continue to support and challenge the core leadership, Um, not over necessarily direction of the church or spiritual direction, but just in in some important areas, I think. Uh, And we will continue to do that. And I think, importantly, we try to act in a way that um, will remove any barriers for this church to grow. Okay, we're not here driving growth. That's nothing to do with us. That's down to the core leadership and God, really. But what we don't want to do is get in the way of that. And so that's important. So what have we done in the first year? Um, I'll rattle through these because they're not, they're not particularly interesting. But we've put a lot of safeguarding in. A lot of you think that's really dull and boring. and it it might well be actually, (laughs) but it's really important. We need to be a safe church, okay? 
and Liz particularly has done an excellent job there. It's for everyone's protection. And remember what I said about being a quality organisation? It's part of what helps us be a quality organisation. Even if it feels constraining at times. Um, we've had a budget for the first time in history, I believe. Uh, wow. Budget means you actually say, we're going to spend a certain amount of money, and then hopefully you do that. Fortunately, we broadly have, so we've done pretty well. Um, to give you an idea, we, at the moment, are spending about £140,000 a year. Okay, so that gives you an idea. That equates to about £25 an adult per meeting. Okay, that gives you an idea. But we've had a budget with principles. Those principles are that we, we tithe 10% and we save 10%. Okay, so we feel they're, they're sound principles to operate on. We've also actually pushed financial accountability down to the core leadership um, in the sense that we, we've, we've wanted them to decide how a good chunk of that money is spent. And I think that's been a change for the core leadership. It's not really been done before. But we believe that um, you know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit should lead the spending of that money. And I think that's worked reasonably well, actually. We've also challenged, or begun to challenge, the core leadership on spending, or I've put in brackets, investing some of that money that we have um, <coughs> in the bank. Uh, it's, it's a difficult decision, is your money in the bank, or do you invest it in the kingdom? Okay. Fortunately, I don't have to make that decision. That's the core leadership's job. <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, we've, we, we have regular reporting from our employees every month, so we know what's going on in the church, so we can keep an eye on things. We've introduced pensions because that's necessary and legal. And uh, we've brought about investment in social media, both from a people, uh, or encourage that from a people point of view and a financial point of view, because social media is actually a very great way to access the outside world. And at the moment, we're underutilizing that. There's also been a changing of the guard uh, from a trustee point of view and a finances point of view. So I managed to get a picture of um, <laughs> Peter, Liz, and myself, <laughs> who are remaining. You can work out, Liz, which one's you. <laughs> <laughs> David Vickers has moved in to the trustees probably a few, good few months ago now, uh, and he he he's been a real asset. He didn't he didn't really want to do it. He felt Holy Spirit led him to do it. Uh, he's a busy man, um, but he's he's a wise man, and has lots to offer. Uh, Beth Brown has is, is recently stepped down from being a trustee, uh, and, and that's been something that's been on the cards for probably a number of months in reality. Um, and um, something else that's changed has been Pauline, Peter and Beth, who did a lot of the financial work, uh, and, and you'd be surprised how much of that there is, um, and some of the admin that's been passed to Lydia, actually. So... Um, I just want to say a few things about that. So Beth, initially, um, you know, actually being a trustee is no, it's not a wonderful task. No one sees what you're doing. And actually she's brought a lot of um, really faithful insight into what we've done. And she's brought about, you know, that budget I talked about, that was her initiative and her idea. And she leaves us in a very good state there. So thank you very much, Beth. <laughs> Peter, 
Peter's still a trustee, but he was doing financial stuff. And if anyone knows Peter, they'd know how much he hates doing that. <laughs> so fancy, how many of you serve in a way in which you absolutely don't enjoy at all? <laughs> Not many of you, I would have thought. And Peter did that for quite a long time. I think he's very, very, very relieved to get rid of most of that burden. But um, that shouldn't be underestimated, because if he hadn't done it, no one would have done it, really, that element of what he was doing. And that would have been a big problem for us as an organisation. So thank you very much, Peter. Yeah. At this point, I'm going to ask my beautiful assistant um, to, to get prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he got in the papers, he now thinks he's beautiful. <laughs> And, and the other person I'd like to thank, uh, and that's no disrespect to Peter and Beth, but I'd like to thank her a little bit more. <laughs> and Pauline, sitting down now, you, not many of you will know her because she keeps quiet. And uh, she has been faithfully looking after aspects of our finances for I don't know how many years. Too many to remember, probably. And she's just gone and done that. And, and too often we think serving is about being at the front and about um, grabbing the limelight, giving the word, doing worship. But actually, I think serving in the way Pauline has done for so many years, um, we wouldn't have been able to exist in the way that we have if she hadn't done that. So I particularly want to thank Pauline. And you have to come up the front, Pauline. So, we got Pauline a little gift. Peter and Beth have to come up too. So, first of all, got you some flowers, Peter. <laughs> Pauline, there for you. We also, um, Stan said you like curries. Hopefully he's right. He should know by now, because he's lived with you for long enough. So, some vouchers for a nice curry with you and Stan. Treat him to a lovely night out. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you can sit down now. <laughs> Peter, up here. Sorry? Alcohol in the church. I hope you like port. <laughs> Thank you very much. Peter says port is all he ever drinks. Might, might be why your blood count was a bit off. <laughs> <laughs> and Be Beth, last but not least, because I did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I never really appreciated the work that some people did until I became chair of trustees just <laughs> over a year ago. <laughs> and uh, those three definitely um, deserve the credit they've got today. So, coming year.
Well, we're going to continue our current path of the things I said before. We're going to continue doing that. Uh, we uh, want more trustees, at least one more, um, because we can't really function properly without those numbers. Hopefully you're starting to see that actually as a trustee, you have quite a bit of... Um, you can really do God's work, actually, and really influence the direction that we're going in. Uh, I've got here leadership, integrity, and accountability. That does not imply in any way that we don't have that already, okay? Honestly. <laughs> but I do think, as a, as a quality organisation, one that can be stand up and be counted, that it's important that we can ensure that is happening all the way through our organisation. So we're going to bring in things like appraisals and reviews to the organisation just to make sure that we're able to have those honest conversations with people. We're going to continue improving processes and systems so that we don't hinder growth. We're, we're going to have to change our legal status, which we're working on at the moment, so that we, again, can achieve more as an organisation. Um, and Lydia, this might be a good time to, to bring you up. Lydia's got something to say, apparently. I hope you're. I hope that's the right thing to do. I don't know if I'm worth a clap yet, but um, uh, I just want to say two things. Just reminders about general boring finance things, but good things to remember, especially for anyone new. Just about gift aid. I think we all know what gift aid is, but it's um, the Bay is able to claim back the tax that you, if you are a taxpayer, on the donations that you give. So it's really important that if you're giving, if you're if you haven't given before and you started giving, that you fill in a gift aid form. Um, I've got some of those today. Uh, I think there's some at the back, or is that a standing order form? There are standing order forms as well to do a, a regular payment, but if you could do that, that'd be really, really important. Also, if you have uh, moved address or anything like that, um, you need to redo it again. So if you could do that for me, please, that'd be amazing. And also, have you spoken about the Mercy Fund yet? Or Adam mentioned it last week. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, so we've just given 1,500 quid to it, yeah, which is amazing, thank you. Um, if you're giving to that, um, it just is really important that you specify that that's what it's for, obviously. Um, ideally, if you're giving a cheque, if you can write Mercy Fund on the back, that's fine, or put it in an envelope saying Mercy Fund, that would be great. If you're doing it in cash, just the same, envelope saying Mercy Fund, if possible. If you're, we're not sure if we can gift aid it yet for various reasons, but if you um, put your name on and you've done a gift aid form, then we'll know that that's yours and it can be gift aided if we can gift aid it. So uh, just really important to use an envelope. I'm going to try and make some envelopes, put them at the back for the Mercy Fund so that it's just there to remind you. And you can just pop it in there and pop it in the box. Um, but your name or the Mercy Fund written on it somewhere would be really, really important, please. Thank you. That's all. Two mics. I definitely don't need two mics. <laughs> One's enough. Um, so uh, just to give you an idea of, of, of what we do as trustees, I suppose we do lots of stuff when we don't meet up, but we meet, so Liz, David, Peter and I, Alan comes along to our trustees meetings, uh, and Lydia now too as, a, as, as support there from an admin point of view. Um, we meet every six weeks. We try to meet just for two hours, but it often is two and a half, maybe longer sometimes. And um, yes, yeah, so that's what we do. We chat about various things, make some decisions, but then we go away and do lots of things 
individually in the meantime. Okay, so that's pretty much how we function. It's not overly complicated. I meet with Alan every two or three weeks, probably for an hour or so. Um, meet with some of the trustees outside of that as well. So uh, we, we we kind of typically operate across all the areas we've talked about, but we get on and do that in our own time. Uh, what I'm going to talk about next is, um, I suppose. Uh, probably driven a little bit from my own personal journey, what well, is driven a little bit from my own personal journey. And God sometimes places observations um, because of your own journey, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay, and, uh, and I think, so I'm coming at this from my own journey perspective, but also as a chair of trustees perspective as well, because that position gives me a, I guess an overview on the church, really. Uh, conscious though that some of those observations might 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 not apply to everyone. I don't think they do, actually. I think they are corporate rather than individual. Um, and I pray that the Holy Spirit, um, I guess, gets this message across in the way that I intended, or, or he intends. So some observations. I think we have an amazing church. Yeah. I really do. And I love this church. Yeah. I haven't always, to be fair. Um, <laughs> at times I've struggled with it, but that was a long time ago. And I do love this church, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Uh, I feel very fortunate to be here. Uh, and uh, I don't know what I've done to deserve to be here, actually, but I, I am, and that's great for me. But I think from my observation, I wanted, there's lots of things I could talk about, but these three things are what God put on my heart to share. And, and, and money. I don't know what people give. I don't want to know. Uh, I, I think that would be a, a difficult thing to know. But I do know that not everyone tithes in this church. I do know that. And I do know that not everyone even gives in this church as well. I also know that we always seem to never have enough volunteers in this church. These are facts, okay? Not, I'm not made them up. They are facts, particularly around kids' work, but other areas too. And I also know that we've had little or no growth in this church from new Christians. Okay, so where's the harvest? Okay, so they're facts. Okay, so my question that came to me, what does this say about our corporate maturity? Difficult question. So my answer was a fishing boat and a plate of chips. Here's the plate of chips. Looks good, doesn't it? I like chips. I prefer them with ketchup. My wife likes them with salt and vinegar, which is not a bad option if there's no ketchup. I just want to tell you a story about a plate of chips. <laughs> Hopefully you might relate to it, some more than others. So a dad takes his son out, okay, takes him out, has a good time, and he ends up buying them a plate of chips. Okay, his son tucks into him, he loves chips, his son does. And uh, they're very nice chips. He's tucking into him. And the dad asks if he can have some of the chips. I don't know if you're parents. I've been here with my kids. And I just want one or two chips, says the dad. The son says, no, they're all mine. You can't have any. How does that make me feel as a dad? How does it make you feel as a parent? I'm sure you've been there as parents. The dad thinks, you would not have that plate of chips if it wasn't for me. I brought you here, I drove you in the car. You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. And then I paid for them. 
I go to work, I paid for them. You didn't pay for them, I paid for them. And what's more, I could always get you more chips if you wanted them and needed them. I just want a few chips. So I think our lives can be a bit like a plate of chips. Certainly my life can be. Because um, God created us. He loves us unconditionally and provides all that we have. All of those chips come from God. Okay? And he actually wants to provide us with more chips. (laughs) If only we'll give back um, some of what he's given us. Doesn't even ask for it all, actually. Just wants a few. Yeah, often we're too selfish, aren't we? And often we don't believe He is the source of all we have. We say it, but we don't actually truly believe it sometimes. Certainly, I know I've lived like I don't believe that. Have you? Took took me actually quite a long time to begin to believe and go down this path. I still get it wrong sometimes. Okay? So, obviously, play of chips leads to a heart issue if you have too many. (laughs) 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 Um, I'm sure many of you aren't in this boat, but I don't want to miss out. Okay? And I don't want you to miss out. What do I want want you to miss out on? It's freedom. Okay? Freedom of living a life really knowing. Knowing, knowing, knowing God is the source of all things. Okay? Richard talked last week a bit about the solar system, didn't he? I mean, come on. Look at the wonder of that. Where, why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? Unfortunately, I've had to learn this doesn't happen by accident, though. Okay? My heart doesn't change by accident, okay? And in my view, it's not about experience, okay? But it requires the right daily habits, okay? The right daily habits. And, there's always an and, isn't there? It's all very well having the right daily habits. (coughs) The and is the steps of faith, okay? And even radical steps of faith. And I think if you have the right daily habits and have the steps of faith, then your heart begins to change. Certainly my experience, anyway. So I just want to read you um, some of the Bible, which is always a good thing in church. Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. You're wondering where the boat came in. Now I've done the chips. So Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little from shore, put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon asked the master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. 
but because you say so, sorry, I'll repeat that, but because you say so, um, say that again, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So, here's the boat with Jesus in it. It's amazing what you can find on the internet. <laughs> Most of us have let Jesus in our boat, okay? Possibly all of you have done that. Some asked him to do that a long time ago, some more recently. Okay, that's great. This boat here was the fishermen's livelihood. Their career, what they did day to day, their job, what they were known for, what they did in their spare time. Essentially, it was their time, money, and purpose. Okay? But the boat, their boat, your boat, served absolutely no purpose being on the shore like it is there. It needed to be pushed out to sea, away from the apparent safety and into deep water if it was to be any use. Is your boat on the shore? Mine was for quite a long time. I tried to push it out, but it seemed to stall. Gave it a bit of a shove, but it, it stayed on shore quite often. I look back now and wish it hadn't been, to be fair. I regret missing out on God's power for so long. I wish I'd managed it sooner. So how do you push your boat out, apart from getting behind it and giving it a big shove? I have learned, and for me, it's all about daily habits. Okay? If he is the source, then make him your priority, which means for me, the first part of my day, every day, in prayer, word, and worship. It took me too long to do this, and I still get it wrong sometimes. I used to tell myself I didn't have the time, it wasn't necessary. I knew what I believed, so I was okay. And then eight years ago, I started to get squeezed, and I still am. I'd recommend you don't wait till you get squeezed, by the way. Yeah. I was facing an uncertain future, the likely early death of my wife and the strains it brought to us both, with ongoing debilitating treatment as well, huge family and work demands on my time and resources. It was like I had to give, 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 give. And no one was giving back to me. Boy, was I squeezed. Yes, I asked for prayer um, from the leadership at the time. They were great. And I believe supernaturally I regained my hope. Hope is an important thing to have. Really important. 
I could not have done that on my own. But inside, I knew God was the only answer, and I started to make him my source. Front door. I started to spend more time with him daily at home, behind a closed door. Okay? Behind a closed door. First for me, it was in worship, then in words, and finally in prayer. Never found prayer easy. As I did this, God gradually changed my heart. It's amazing that, isn't it? Spend time with the source and your heart starts to change. It changed in lots of ways, actually, but the three ways I felt I should talk about today was how I saw money, how I used my time, and my desire for a harvest. My money. I'd always tithed, but I'd not always been generous. Two different things. I'd not always really believed that God would provide what I needed. But I started to ask God how I should use my money. Dangerous thing, that. I didn't like his response. (laughs) He started asking me to give it to people. (laughs) To Christian work, pay for meals. I found it really hard. I said I wasn't naturally generous. Uh, And often delayed that giving, actually, for too long. But strangely enough, I found that the more I gave, the more freedom and joy I had. I have learned firsthand, I really have, that the giver is truly much more blessed than the receiver. It's great to give. And my faith grew. So this is the, the acts of faith, isn't it? It's the doing bit. You can spend time with God, but unless you listen to him and do it, you don't grow and you don't benefit from it. So my faith grew and because God was faithful, he provided what I needed. Strangely enough, I always had enough. I had what I needed and money lost its grip on me. And that is a nice place to be, believe me. It's not perfect there, but it's definitely lost a big grip on me. Okay? And it remains a challenge at times. So how do you use your money? Does it control you? Or have you won your freedom from it? You can't be in the middle. You are one or the other. It's much better to have the freedom, but it doesn't happen overnight. What about time? I have no spare time. At least it feels that way. All of the time. I'm sure others of you feel that way. But I, I really do. I used to work something like a 60-hour week. But God showed me, interestingly, through active giving, you know, giving money away changed my life here, that I needed to spend more time with my family by picking up my kids from school three days a week and looking after them until they went to bed. And I, by now I was confident in God's provision. So I built up my faith. I knew he provided. So I asked my boss, and he said yes. Just like that. God also moved me later on into the position of chair of the Bay Trustees, adding more workload. I had enough already. had enough commitments. 
didn't need any more. I really didn't. But I did know it was what he wanted me to do. Okay? So I was doing what God wanted me to do with my time. He didn't want me to stop working. He didn't want me to stop doing my job well. But he wanted me to spend more time with my family and um, being chair of the trustees. So I got more to do. But my life was transformed. Okay? I, and and <laughs> when you have more to do, when you already feel you've got enough to do, um, I, I found I really, really needed God's provision daily just to cope. Okay? But that's a good place to be. I now absolutely love asking God every day for his wisdom to help me focus on what needs to be done and to provide me with enough time and energy to do it. Just taking one day at a time. Um, and to be honest, serving him in the right areas, and that's the important thing for me anyway, has been really good for me. He has been faithful. I get to do what he has asked me to do, give time to my family and church, whilst my business has produced three successive record years. How are you spending your time? Have you asked recently God how he wants you to use your time? Do you want to hear the answer? Harvest. It's me in my younger days in Scott. No <laughs> <laughs> need to laugh too much. <laughs> I'd always convinced myself it was not my responsibility. I had. I was very, I believed myself. I did. I was no good at sharing my faith. I wasn't brought up to share things that were personal. I'm a man, after all. Okay? But my daily time with God changed my heart. Those daily habits and that stepping forward in faith. And it changed my heart for the people in my life. My family and my work colleagues were the people in my life. Obviously you are too, but who are the Christians? And I wanted them to come to know Jesus. Okay? Might sound a bit strange saying I want my kids to come to know Jesus. I, I did, but I, I really did. There's a difference. So I started praying for them every day. Because I had my time with God and, and it was my routine. And I prayed that they would come to know the Lord. And I started asking boldly, it felt bold to me anyway, to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting. It's all very well praying for it, but then you kind of go, well, Holy Spirit, let me, let me follow through with the way you prompt me and step out in faith. Slowly things started to change. I've shared my faith in many ways at work and at home and led a colleague to the Lord. And I'm actually um, believing, I, I really do believe, and I act on that belief now that my business and the people in it will come to glorify the Lord. That's quite a distance, isn't it, from someone who didn't believe it was their job to share their faith. It's actually become the main purpose of my career and family and what I do each day. So, Pushing out to deep water and obey what God tells you to do. Great phrase Peter used once, only doing it is doing it. Or my wife has used the phrase, learn to wiggle. 
Same thing. Do something. Okay? This was the fishermen's livelihood. They were professionals. They knew how to do their jobs. Okay? I'm in recruitment. If you need to recruit someone, I know how to do it. I've got 17 years experience. Probably have more experience than anyone else in the Northeast, actually. So these guys knew what they were doing, just like that. They had Jesus in their boat. Look, it's still there. Hasn't fallen out. <laughs> their boat being their livelihood, remember? Their career, their day-to-day -day activity. And they pushed it out. They acted on what Jesus said. So this was despite being experts and trying and failing all night. Because you say so. That's why we put the nets out. I bet the crowds thought, what on earth are they doing? The crowds on the shore, weren't they? They've been out all night. Why are they going out again? This is crazy. We've not caught anything. But the fishermen were prepared to be radical and trust in Jesus big time, I think. Oh, it must have been. You're knackered. You failed. Some guy you don't know comes and tells you to put the nets out. They had the catch of their lives, okay? The catch of their lives, what a blessing, what a blessing. Are you a because you say so person? And how often do you do something radical for God? To just remind you of verses 10 and 11, I can find them. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll, be fish for, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They left their blessing behind. They'd had the catch of their lives. And they left it behind. They were focused on Jesus, the giver of the blessing, not the blessing. Too often, we focus on the blessing. Dare I say, nearly all the time, we focus on the blessing. They gave that blessing up because they knew Jesus was the source, the source of everything. Your money, your time, your passion for the lost, in my experience, will only fall into line with God's will if you continually put God first behind closed doors. In your private life, not here in church, doesn't work here in church, I'm afraid, in my experience. With daily worship, word and prayer. That's what you get. I now love spending time with the Lord and miss it when I miss it. Okay? And I'm excited about the future. It might seem a strange thing to say given my circumstances, but I generally am excited about the future and I dearly want you to be too. That's my heart really is and so that's me finished and hopefully someone in the booth is going to play a message god brought to mind um something emma stark said it must be about six months ago she was here maybe longer so there's about a six minute um section of what she said that that god brought to mind when he brought what i've got here to say so is it going to work It's time to take an audit of daily routines. 
And I, I'm really, you've got to stay with me. Tell your neighbor you need to hear this. It's time to take an audit of your daily routines. And I don't mean the obvious sin and the failure so that you can keep repenting for what you've already repented of quite a lot. That's not what I mean. Do you know that prayer you go, I'm so sorry that I did that for the 26th time. And God says, what on earth are you talking about? I put that away as far as the east is from the west the first time you mentioned it. I am talking about building patterns and choices because what I choose day to day will shape who I will become. I am never doing something neutral with no effect. I am always choosing right now how my life will look many months from now. I am always framing my future with my choices today. So how we plan our days will either build us into the likeness of Jesus or it will build us into the image of another kingdom. So if I am frustrated by the lack of God's power in my life, if I am annoyed that I do not see the miracles that I read about, if I am a frustrated pioneer and I don't feel very radical, if the trajectory that I thought I had put my life on to see the kingdom of God come in the earth has horribly plateaued, if I feel under an Ishmael cloud where everything is a pale reflection of what it should be, what on earth did I do a few months ago that took me away from that place that I should have landed? in. What pattern did we put in our churches if we as leaders have made our corporate culture tepid and dilute where it sounds good but it is highly ineffective? Let's maybe make it a little bit kinder, shall we? If I'm a trailblazer like you, if I'm a pioneer who sees the dead raise, the lame walk, the blind see, if I'm a radical Jesus person who doesn't want to wake up one morning and find their old wine, what do I need to do right now that will build me into that place? David Foster tells this parable. There were two young fish swimming along and they meet an older fish swimming the other way. And the old fish nods and smiles. Morning, boys, he says. How's the water? (laughs) And the two young fish swim on for a bit. And eventually one of them looks at the other and says, What on earth is water? (laughs) And I think the water you and I swim in is more tepid. And we haven't even seen it. When did you last do something radical? And the time before that? And the time before that? I have to journey into the radical every day. And some of us are so deluded because we made one radical choice way back then and we think it makes us radical right now. I journey the radical every day. I choose the power of God as something that I am daily dependent on. How does an alcoholic get to be an alcoholic? He doesn't wake up one day and say, today I'm an alcoholic. It is a 
habit of drinking that they put in place. It is repeat behavior. It also works in reverse. No one wakes up one day and says, I'm not an addict anymore. They don't decide on a whim. After years of addiction, day by day by day, they work out the choice to be free. There would be no need for AA if we could simply think ourselves in and out of our routines. I cannot think myself into being free. I walk it out. I cannot think myself into being radical. I walk it out. I cannot think myself into being one in whom the power of God's rests. I walk it out. I cannot think myself into being a presence carrier. I walk it out. It is why Philippians says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't need another supernatural school to make better decisions. I Come on. We are so fat on training schools. I need more than education and information. I need to create radical habits to become a radical person. And just because you have supernatural schools and wild worship in a corporate place has not made you a radical church. It's made you people who know how to have a radical service. That is very different. There's a consistent process to be radical. Don't be deceived. I think that's the end says it better than me. Um, so that's it, guys. My, my, my heart is for your heart to grow closer to God through daily habits and steps of faith, radical steps of faith. And, and I know that our church will see more giving, more volunteers, and a harvest if as a church, corporately and individually, we build those habits. And if we don't see it, the only explanation for me is that we haven't built those habits. Thank you. <laughs>